0: Welcome to our sermon podcast here at City of Light Anglican Church. We are a new church in Aurora, Illinois, finding a new day in Jesus. We want to see the light of Jesus rise and shine in our hearts, in our homes, and in our neighborhoods. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Father Trevor. We're in this series on relationships, how we relate to one another. This morning we're talking about how we relate to our family particularly the families we grew up in. Uh, At my wedding, my little brother gave a toast, and we have some Irish heritage, and so he included in his toast uh, this Irish blessing. May those who love us, love us, and those that don't love us, may God turn their hearts. And if he doesn't turn their hearts, may he turn their ankles, so that we'll know them by their limping. (laughs) Is that great? It starts out as a blessing and then very quickly moves into a curse, doesn't it? (laughs) And we don't talk about blessings and curses very much. We don't use those words. Um, Maybe the last time you blessed was the last time you sneezed, unless you're in one of those families that says gazoom tight. Um, And then maybe you've never received a blessing. Um, And maybe you don't think about curses unless you're watching Sleeping Beauty or reading Harry Potter um, when we talk about blessings and curses, and when the Bible talks about blessings and curses, it's not talking about them in a magical sort of way. It's talking about them as the reality that the things that you and I say and do, our words and actions, and the things that other people say and do toward us have an impact. They have a profound impact on us. There's consequences, there's ramifications of our words and our actions. And no relationship is that more true in than in our families. That the words and actions of the, our families, the family we grew up in, the adults that we looked up to, that their blessings and curses have a profound impact on us. It, there's a novel and then a film in the late 80s, early 90s called The, the Joy Luck Club, and it's about a little girl who has this special capacity. She says in her own words, I can see the secrets of the chessboard." And in this uh, fictional story, she goes on to be a national chess champion at the age of eight. But her mother, um, out of her own ambition for wealth and power, uh, she starts to begin using her daughter to get that. And at one point, the little girl speaks back to her mother that she doesn't want to do something. And the mother responds by saying to her daughter, you are nothing. You are nothing at all. And in the movie, this is how the little girl describes that. What she said to me was like a curse. This power I had, this belief in what I'd been given, that I could actually feel it draining away. I could feel myself becoming ordinary. And all of the secrets of the chessboard that I once saw, I couldn't see anymore. All I could see were my mistakes, and my weaknesses, and the best part of me disappeared. That's just a fictional story, but doesn't it capture something about the, the impact that words can have on us for a blessing or for, in this case, a curse? That those words can lodge in our conscious and unconscious minds. They can be there for a lifetime. They can be impacting us. They seem to have a power over us to define who we are. Do you you have words like that in your heart or in your head that you just can't shake no matter how hard you try? See, we all receive things from our parents, whether they're biological parents, whether they're spiritual parents that we look up to? Their words and their actions shape us because things get passed on in families. In high school, in my room, I had a desk that belonged to my great-grandfather. And I loved working at that desk thinking about how he might have once worked at that desk. Things get passed on in families. Do you have things that got passed on? An object, some plates, a piece of furniture. We also get biology passed on. We have our parents' DNA. We are from them. We're part of them. We also have not just their biological DNA, but we have their emotional DNA. We have parts of their spiritual DNA that gets passed on. We share in their blessings, in their strengths. We share in their cursing, curses and in their weaknesses. Now we said last week when we started this series on relationships, we said that we were made to live in relationship. That God himself is relational, relationship. He is a father, a son, and a Holy Spirit. He lives in perfect relationship with himself. And out from his relationship, He created us for relationship, but that relationship has been broken. And out of the brokenness of our relationship with God, our relationships with one another are broken as well. And we pass on this curse, this this legacy of broken relationships, where the thing we know we need, we know we need relationship, we know we need family, becomes sometimes the hardest thing to do the thing that hurts us the most, the thing that we're most afraid of. In Deuteronomy 6, there's a passage that says, it's the uh, writer Moses speaking, he says, I'm putting before you two ways of doing life, a way of blessing, a way of following the Lord, and a way of curse, a way of not following the Lord. And, And there's consequences, there's blessings in the way of following the Lord, and there's there's hardship in the way of sin. That's what these curses are. They, they're, they're the consequences of sin. They're the ramifications of our brokenness. They're patterns of dealing with grief or stress that aren't healthy. They're physical and genetic struggles that are the results of generations of sin. They're sins that have been done against our bodies in abusive behavior. There's sins of addiction that can run through a family. There's sins of misogyny. That's the hatred of women. And we live in a culture and we live in a human condition with a propensity to use and abuse women. And that can be passed down in families. It can look like the inability to handle conflict well. Grief that becomes decapacitating families that have abandoned a member of the family, instances of idolatry where money or some other thing becomes the most important thing in the family and that gets handed down, or, or curses of false religions, serving and worshiping other gods and in other religions. These things get passed down and they affect the families. And it's, it's just the accumulation of sin It's your sin, and it's my sin. It's the sins we do to one another. It's the sins our society does. We're all a part of it. There's no family that is untouched by the curse. Have you ever seen those movies that are like contagion movies? You know, something breaks out, someone gets bitten by the wrong monkey when they're visiting some country, and before you know it, everyone's either dead or a zombie. You've seen these movies. This is how sin is. When you're in the house of other sinners, which we all are, you catch it. You're exposed to it. You're affected by it. We all live with the curse of sin in us and around us. And in our families, we receive from them both those blessings, the strengths that they give us. But we receive the curse as well. But the good news of the gospel and the good news of the person of God is that he invites us into his family and in his family, his blessing breaks the curse. This is the good news of the gospel. In the family of God, those curses that we receive, those consequences of sin, that in God's family, those can be broken, that he will break them because God is in his very nature, not a God of the curse, but a God of blessing. That is who he is. He's a God who wants to bless. And out of the blessing of his relationship as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he makes people male and female. And the first thing God does when he is made man and woman in his own image, the very next phrase in Genesis 1 of the Bible says, and he blesses them. He made them out of his blessing and for his blessing. God is a God of blessing. And throughout scripture, he he wants to bring his blessing to us. And when we had fallen away and walked away, he, from the very beginning, had a plan to restore us to his blessing, to free us from the curse. And that's what our passage this morning in Isaiah 61 is all about. It is all about Jesus coming to break the curse. Now, this part of Isaiah was written hundreds of years before Jesus was born. But in the power of God, we're told that it was written about what Jesus would do. And Jesus, in his first public message, he opens up the prophet Isaiah and he turns to this passage and he says, this is why I'm here. This is who I am. This is what I'm about And he reads that the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This is Isaiah 61.1, if you'll turn there with me. Because the Lord has anointed me, has anointed Jesus to bring good news to the poor. Good news to the ones afflicted, to the ones hurt, to the ones devastated by the curse, by cycles of poverty, by cycles of sin. Let's just walk through this passage. He comes to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted. Those ones with wounds so deep they don't think they'll ever be healed. They're just perpetually there, brokenhearted, wounded. Jesus says, I'm gonna come I'm gonna bring healing to those wounds. To proclaim liberty to the captives, for the people who feel trapped in those cycles of sin, to the people who feel trapped in those curses, he comes to bring release. You feel like you're in a prison He comes to set you free. The opening of the prisons to those who are bound. To proclaim, verse two, the year of the Lord's favor. What is favor? It is blessing. Jesus has come to set you free from the curse and to bring you the blessing of the Father. It's here, it's now. To comfort all those who are mourning, who are grieving. To give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, instead of being mourning and so characterized by the death that you're experiencing that you put burned ashes on your head to represent how, how you feel and how you've encountered death, instead of that, you get a royal crown. Why do you get a royal crown? Why do you get that? Because you are now a part of a new family, And your inheritance isn't death. Your inheritance is life everlasting. And you aren't destitute with nothing to wear and poor and wounded. No, now you have a garment of righteousness. Now you have clothes. Now you have a crown. You have honor instead of shame. Why? Because you're a part now of God's family and he is an inheritance for you. Not an inheritance of curses, but an inheritance of blessings. Not an inheritance of shame, but an inheritance of honor. Verse 4. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastation. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastation of many generations. Jesus has come to heal and rebuild the generations of your family. Because his family is on an eternal foundation that cannot be shaken. He comes to give you a future, a hope, a city. How does he do it? How does he turn your curse into blessing? How is that possible? It says in verse 2 of Isaiah 61 that it's the year of the Lord's favor, the day of the vengeance of our Lord. Why does God come with vengeance? Because he hates the curse. He hates what it has done to his people. He hates the effect that sin has had on the world. And he comes with vengeance to get rid of it. And the way he does it, Galatians 3 tells us, is by becoming the curse for us. That it is Jesus who redeems us from the curse by becoming a curse for us, for is it written, cursed is everyone who hanged on a tree. Jesus takes away our curse because he becomes that curse for us. He takes it all onto himself so that we don't have to carry it anymore. He is the one who becomes poor in Isaiah 61. He is the one who becomes brokenhearted. He is the one who becomes wounded, who becomes captive to the curses of sin as they're laid upon him on the cross. He is the one who takes on the vengeance of God himself so that he can free us from the curse by taking on the curse. He trades his crown in glory for a crown of ashes. He trades his garment of righteousness for our sin. He's uprooted so we can be planted. He is devastated so we can be built up. Jesus takes on the curse for us. See, the curse is too strong for us. We can't carry it ourselves. But it's not too strong for Jesus. He died for it on the cross, but he did not stay dead. He was raised again to new life. And in that new life, he comes to us and says, see, the curse could not hold me. And in me, it won't hold you either. It's too strong for us, but it could never stop him. He comes back in his resurrection to bring the year of the Lord's favor. So your family had problems. My family has problems. The human family has problems. But Jesus comes back to say, there is a new day. There is freedom for the captive. And because of Jesus, God, our Father in heaven, can lay his hand on our heads and can offer us the blessing of heaven, the inheritance of heaven. In place of the curse of this world. And you see, it's a blessing that you could never earn. It's a blessing that you can never deserve. No amount of our own activity can rebuild the ruined walls, can bind our own broken hearts. We can't rebuild our own families, we can't heal ourselves. We are too captive to the curse. But Jesus offers us his blessing. The blessing we could never earn through our own religious efforts, through the prayers we pray or the things we do. But he offers it to us freely as a gift. There's nothing we could ever do to earn his blessing. There's nothing he won't do to give you his blessing. Your life might look like that ruined city where there's been devastation for generations. He wants to bring you, verse 7, instead of your shame, a double blessing. A blessing on top of blessing. It says later in this chapter, in verse 9, that the children will be known as the ones who the Lord has blessed. See, the the blessing of God is stronger than the curse of sin. I was talking about this idea with a friend. Well, I want to share a few different stories with you now. And um, because they're sensitive about families and about hurt, I want to just protect people. So I'm going to change the names of the people. So this friend, we'll call her Bonnie. I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, um, not Bonnie. Um, This friend, we'll call her... uh, We'll call her Ann. Um, she, she told me, as we were talking about this, she's like, oh, this reminds me of my mom's family. said, my mom was one of five kids. Two died young of addictions. The other two have broken families, families of divorce. Divorce is one of the curses that gets passed down. And they're self-described uh, as isolated, lonely, broken. They don't like their lives very much. Her mom has had a healthy family, healthy life, and the only difference is Jesus. It's the only difference that Jesus came and broke some curses in her family when he redeemed her. My friend writes, uh, Now I've inherited a gift of spiritual freedom from her that I can pass on to my kids. We still have family curses from generations back to deal with, in her family, there's mental illness and addiction. But we're not defined by them because we can cling to God, who's a father who never fails, who invites us into a new family that offers healing from the mess and hurt of our biological family. See, the, the blessing of God is stronger than the curse. Exodus 20 says a blessing can last several generations. A curse can last several generations, but a blessing lasts a thousand generations. A curse can be for a moment, but a blessing is eternal. I was thinking about this with my own family. Um, There's only one story I've ever heard my dad tell about his dad. And it was about his dad yelling at him and berating him for something very insignificant. And my dad said that that he's never been the same after that moment. One time I was uh, playing in a baseball tournament in Ohio outside of Akron, and it was one town over from the town my dad grew up in, and the person running the tournament had played baseball with my dad's older brother. And so the three of us were talking, and my dad said, you know, his dad never came to see any of his games, never thought he was much of a ball player. And this person who'd played ball with my dad's older brother said, oh, I saw you play. You were a great ball player. And that meant a lot to my dad because his dad had never given him that blessing. I remember driving over to college freshman year with my parents. They were going to drop me off. And we stopped at a big boy somewhere between Kalamazoo and Battle Creek. And as we ate dinner, my dad handed me an envelope, and it was a letter from him. He doesn't say a lot, but in that letter he told me how proud he was of me. He told me some very specific things he he liked and loved about me. And he told me some of the hopes he had for my life. I didn't fully understand what was happening then. But he was giving me a blessing that he never got from his father, but that he had received from his heavenly father. And because he had received it from his heavenly father, he could pass it along to me. See what my dad was doing that day, he was doing some curse-breaking by the power of Jesus. See, a curse can last a few generations, but the blessing of God is forever. I am want to give you two tools, two really practical things that you could take away from today to invite the curse-breaking power of the Lord Jesus into your life. Here's the first one. Bring it into the light. First John 1 says, God is light, there's no darkness in him, that we are to walk in light, not in darkness. That when we walk in light, the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. So what happens is so often our response to sin in our family, our response to curses is to cover them up, is to hide them is to put them in darkness, is to create a culture of shame and cover-up. But in the darkness, sin just gets stronger. We think it's not there, but it's there. We're just not looking at it. See, it's, it's secrets that smuggle sin into the next generation. That's how it happens. Secrets smuggle sin into the next generation, and when we respond instead with the appropriate disclosing when necessary or confession when necessary of those sins, we bring them into the light. And we actually change what the story's about. Let me tell you what I mean. Um, a few years ago, one of our friends was studying uh, psychology, and she had to do a family tree of dysfunction. So she had to go back and interview every living family member and chart as many dysfunctions as they were willing to share with her as she could so that she knew where she came from, psychologically speaking. I thought that sounded like a great idea. My grandma had just passed away, and as she had passed away, all these stories started to come out about her that I would never heard. Stories of her life and her pain and her sin and the sins done against her. I hadn't heard them all until I went and started digging and asking. She had been cheated on for her entire marriage. So she had an affair. They got divorced. The person she was having an affair with got divorced, and they got married. That was my grandpa growing up. She tried to kill herself in the middle of all that. She never told us. No one ever talked about it. Covered it up. I could see it now in hindsight how it spread into that whole side of the family tree, a, a culture of secrecy and shame. And as I often do when I'm trying to process things, I wrote a song about it. And we were getting ready to play a show and I thought, I wonder if I should play this song. Would would my grandma not have liked it if I sort of told her story? You know what I felt really strongly? See, she, in the midst of all that hard things, all of the sin done against her and all the sin that she did, she met Jesus. And she became the first person in my family tree to trust in the Lord. And so I know that she now is in heaven with him. And as we study in the book of Hebrews, she is a perfected saint around the throne of God. You know what her story is now? that despite the sin done against her and that despite the sin she did, that she is saved by the grace of Jesus and he has healed her and made her whole. And if she was here, and I know she's here in heaven this morning, you know what she's thinking? Praise the Lord. Because the theme of her story is not her shame and not her sin, but the grace of Jesus. And when we let sin come out of the dark and into the light, the theme of the story changes from shame and sin to grace and healing because Jesus' sacrifice is stronger than that shame. So bring it out into the light. Change the theme of the story. My grandma missed out in this life of knowing the forgiveness and acceptance of the Lord and of her family and of the church. But she now is experiencing that. It might be that your children need to know about things in your family at age-appropriate ways so that you can tell a story not of shame and secrecy, which is what will get told if you don't tell them a story of grace and healing. Number two, you need to reject the curse, not your parents, not your family members, and not yourself. A lot of times when we have hard stuff going on as a kid, we we make a vow. We say, I will never be like that. I will never do that. I will never be a person like that. And that vow often causes us to, to actually reject our parents as people or the people that have hurt us as people, and that strains our relationship with them but it also causes us to reject ourselves. Because you know what? You are your parents, half of each. And they've given you not just curses, but blessings. And so there's a process of discerning and naming what are the blessings that I've gotten from my parents that I can love and accept and receive from them, and what are the curses that I need to reject their sinful behavior or patterns or the sins that were done against them. I'm going to share a story from another friend. We'll call this friend uh, Celeste. She's been taking time writing lists of blessings and curses from her family. She says it's much easier to list the curses. But it's been particularly helpful in finding forgiveness for areas of sin in my life because I have sinful habits that are deeply rooted in my family's history. I've learned to ask God to show me what these are, and to break these curses, and to trust that he can. Here's an example she gives. One of the generational curses in my family is hateful hearts and words. We yell at each other and say such hateful things. I can't bear to think about both the words I've heard and the words I've said. That hate is the norm. I've been taught how to do it, and I learned it, and I'm really good at it. And she talks about how the Lord has helped guide her through and praying with others has helped guide her through so that now when she feels tempted to say something hateful, she says, oh yeah, I want to be hateful. That's what I was taught to do. But Jesus can take away that hate. Jesus has already paid for that hate on the cross. She also talks about some of the blessings that she's received from her family, how that helps her overcome some of the curses. See, because Jesus has broken the curse, we're invited into God's family to receive his blessing. Bonnie wrote an article about this idea of generational sin. I'm going to post it on social media after the sermon. Um, But one of the things she says is I'm free of, I'm not free of baggage, but I'm free of the curse. In Jesus, you are free of the curse. And so I encourage you today, go home and with that trusted person, make that timeline, make that family tree, name some of these things, some of these hurts and traumas and griefs, bring them out into the light, forgive, receive forgiveness, invite the Lord into it to bring his healing. See, we we inherit blessings and curses from our family, but we're part of God's family, His blessing as our Heavenly Father can break the power of those curses. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from City of Light Anglican Church. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us online at cityoflightanglican.org. And now, may the light of Jesus scatter the darkness from before your path.